Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, Episode 21. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hey, 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 localists. We're so glad you joined us today for the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I have an exciting guest for us today because he has an expertise in an area that most business owners would love to have an expertise in. We have Michael Berry with us. Now, he is the founder of the Princeton Creative Marketing Company in Princeton, New Jersey. Now, they do something a little different. They're a marketing company that offers holistic marketing strategies and services by combining traditional marketing and also some digital and online marketing. So they've kind of got the best of both worlds or best of all the worlds of marketing in one umbrella and they're experts at doing that. They also focus on small business specifically with a lot of nonprofits and Michael has a background in music and music marketing, so he also focuses on a lot of arts-type marketing. So he brings so much marketing experience to the table, and we're definitely honored to have him with us tonight. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Well, I have just given a, a you know a snippet, really, in the whole scheme of everything of uh, what you're about and what your company's about, mm-hmm. but I know there's a lot more history that goes behind that. Can, so can you kind of get us started by telling us about your professional history and anything personally that we might want to know to help get to know you as a person? Sure. Um, I started out life as a musician, let's say. Uh, it's when I was about 10 years old, I uh, oh, wow. got my first guitar and started you know, playing rock tunes and <laughs> I wanted to be in a band, so I, I, I did that through high school and studied music in college, um, got out of college with a music degree, and worked in the music business for a good 10 years or so, mm-hmm. uh, both as a musician and, and a uh, producer. Um, but when I started looking more at the, the business side of music, I started seeing that one of the things that was really problematic was was marketing, in fact. Uh, so I started gravitating a little bit more in that direction. And then mm. this was right around the time when everything was changing with, with the Internet uh, coming of age, so to speak, and, and people realizing that they had to learn their way around digital marketing. Mm-hmm. And then the first forays were... The music business were largely in in MySpace, which yeah. kind of died out as as a as a platform of choice and was replaced by all the the other platforms that we have today. Sure. But along along the way, I realized how little folks in the music business actually knew about marketing. So mm-hmm. I just kept studying marketing. Um, eventually, went back to school, got an MBA in marketing, and then. Uh, hung out my shingle as as a consultant and started finding decent work pretty much right off the bat. So you kind of naturally gravitated toward the marketing side of even the music business, and that was just something that – did you find that that was like your passion, or was it just a necessary evil? I, I'm, at first, I think it was a necessary evil. I think what I, what I figured out not too long ago, maybe – Five years ago, 
um, was that my real passion is, is communication. And okay. That's what made me want to be a musician because you mm-hmm. get ideas and emotions. I've always been a writer. I, I've published. Uh, I recently published a book on, on marketing in the music business. As a matter of, mm-hmm. um, I've written articles for magazines. I was a sports reporter in high school, so I've always oh, wow. been a writer too. Mm-hmm. Um, and felt that well, I, I kind of almost liked writing just as much as music. And then when I found my way into marketing, I realized that the the best marketing is really about good communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's why it it just seemed to really fit very well. It didn't, it didn't, all of a sudden it wasn't a necessary evil anymore. And it was something that I could really sink my teeth into. Well, and realizing that the larger thing is not so much marketing, but more communication, because that really is a larger umbrella that does encompass all of those things. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's a things we learn as we uh, kind of mature into our, our roles in life is kind of enlightening. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah. You never would have thought so. You know, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that have communications degrees that have no idea what to do with them. Yeah. So it, it is kind of one of – it's an odd thing. So yeah. Now, when you finally um, – went back to school and got your MBA in marketing and started the the marketing consultancy that you have right now, what was your biggest fear? Um, I, you know, I, I don't have enough fear. <laughs> oh, you know what? That is, that's a good thing most of the um, time for entrepreneurs. Yeah, I, I think uh, almost, almost recklessly so. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, I, I worried about not being able to get enough business. But, you mm-hmm. know, that turned out not, not to be the case. So mm-hmm. that, that fear was allayed pretty pretty quickly. Um, but I, I think I, I could use a little more fear, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I find that that is um, dealing with that fear or having the fear, it seems to be that the entrepreneurs and the business owners that I talk to either fall into one of two camps and that they're, they're, you know, very fearful and they've really had to work pushing through that. Or they say exactly what you said is I don't really have any fears. And, you know, I probably, it would have served me well if I had been a a little bit more fearful throughout the setting up the business process. So it it is, it's interesting. It, It just makes you wonder what shapes, what has shaped that over the course of people's lives to make them fearful or not. And I have a feeling, it has a lot to do with the environment you're raised in yeah. and the, the businesses and the jobs that you see your parents have and kind of how you're raised in that, that fashion. I, so. I believe so. I think a lot of my family was was very fearful because yeah. you know, they, they, many of them were immigrants and ah. you know, they came here and, and struggled and wanted to hold on to that uh, that good corporate job until the last minute right. or the good union job good or, or whatever yeah. they had. Um, yeah. and and that never made a whole lot of sense to me because I was of, of a different age and of mm-hmm. a different mindset. Well, and you know, if you have a talent like music where you know you can support yourself, it kind of does free up, you know, if, if knowing that you could fall back on something like that if you had to, it kind of gives you a little more freedom to delve into other things yeah. just in case, yeah. you know. So yeah. now... You are in a unique position that you see – you have a lot of small businesses coming to you for help with marketing. 
um, maybe they've already tried some things that haven't worked. Maybe they've already run their marketing campaign off the rails and you're supposed to save it. But what are, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the most common mistakes that you're seeing small businesses make and then not just the mistakes, but maybe how you would fix those if you were the business owner? Sure. sure. There's a couple of standard mistakes. Okay. Um, the the biggest one is is doing kind of a one shot marketing campaign, let's say, mm-hmm. um, and this often happens with with new business owners in particular. Um, they set up a business, they get going, they put a, a year of work into it, and they say, okay, well, it's time to try some some new ideas, reach a bigger uh, audience, and maybe we need some kind of marketing. Mm-hmm. They'll often do. Uh, they'll set up a Twitter account and do Twitter for three months, or they'll right. you know, do a a very expensive uh, direct mailing campaign, or they'll mm-hmm. take out some advertisements and spend some money, and then nothing happens. And mm-hmm. that's almost always the case. Nothing typically nothing does happen from single one-off uh, marketing initiatives. Um, hmm. Then they get frustrated and they spent a lot of money and then they poo-poo the whole idea of marketing. Oh, it doesn't work, right. or it's not for me, or it's too expensive. Um, when when the reality is that those those one-off initiatives don't work for anybody for the most part. Okay. Um, so that that's one of the biggest mistakes is oh we tried such and such and mm-hmm. it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, you you tried it for three months and it didn't work. Or you, or you tried mm-hmm. one thing and you spent a lot of money on it and you didn't have a good uh, sense of what you wanted to accomplish and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Of course it didn't work. So that's, you <laughs> You'd die. be surprised if it did. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. But from, from a business owner who has to deal with the business on the inside, it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to look at the business from the outside and look at it from right. the customer's point of view because you're you're busy doing what you do. Right. And I think that maybe that's the, the second biggest mistake is, is not seeing a business through the eyes of the customer. Uh, mm. I think especially if you're a talented service person or, or you make a product or you're uh, in any kind of technology or science or anything, and actually most businesses now that I think about it, you uh, you go into a business because you're good at something. Uh-huh. And you figure that you make something or, or you provide a service and it's a, it's a very good service, therefore people should want it. And that's not the case. People need to be communicated to and become aware of your business in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have to have reasons why they're going to want it. They're going to have to... I think you know business owners have to realize that they have to answer the question, "What's in it for me?" That right. the question that the customer is asking, "What's in it mm-hmm. for me?" Um, what's the benefit to the customer? And you know, in marketing, we always talk about uh, features versus benefits. Right. Um, you have to communicate benefits to the customer. You can't communicate features. Right. Um, for example, if you uh, take take a, a Mustang, for example, and if you if you read the description of the the engine of a Mustang, it's you know, 3.6 liter high floating carburetor, <laughs> you know, 400 foot pounds of torque, and that right. doesn't mean Mumbo anything. Jumbo. Right, right. <laughs> but the way Mustang advertises, I, I remember one line that that they had. It says, 
uh, here to throaty raw as you accelerate that sound that only uh, a Mustang can deliver. Uh-huh. That's a completely different thing. That is. All of a sudden, that's... you're picturing yourself in the sure. Mustang. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's probably item number two that, that business owners don't uh, properly address. They they don't see things in terms of the customer, and they don't put things in in customer language. So let me ask you this about the the one-off type marketing campaigns. Mm-hmm. Do you if if do you recommend that people don't even try the one-off marketing campaigns, or is there something you can do to them to increase the level of effectiveness if that's all you can do, or do you just direct them to a different type of channel for marketing? I I would say take that same effort. And, and spread it out over various different smaller campaigns over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. Let's say you, you think it might be a good idea to spend $5,000 on um, three months of advertising. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all. That's the entire budget you have for marketing for the, for the year is at $5,000. Mm-hmm. I would say do not do that. I would say take $1,000 five times and put it into five different things and spread it out over the course of a year. Um, okay. Because for one thing, it takes time. It, mm-hmm. There's no no magic bullet in, in marketing. Uh, and, and people tend to expect things to happen in, in three months or mm-hmm. you know, four months, five months. And it, it seldom does. You really have to, to be consistent with putting messages out there and, and because of the internet, you have to use all these different channels in order to get your messages out there. So I I, I would encourage them not to do that. Okay. You know, I, I hate to like ever discourage someone from marketing taking a shot at, <laughs> yeah. at marketing, right? Uh-huh. Um, but if it's not thought out, if it's not um, done consistently over time, mm-hmm. you're probably wasting your money. Well, I think, too, though, I think what business owners, you know, you see other businesses that you perceive as overnight successes. Right. And sometimes you think that if you take one single marketing action that you should have that same kind of result. And and honestly, I mean, in some ways, the fact that you do marketing campaigns you know, it's it's a defined amount of time. It starts and finishes. Right. But don't you think some of the most effective marketing that businesses do, it's just slow and steady wins the game, and it's just always touching it. And rather than having a, you know, we, we hit it hard and heavy for two weeks, and then we don't touch it again for six months. Absolutely. I, I think there's very few exceptions to that. And And more importantly, you don't want to bet on being one of the exceptions. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not really a sound business. No, it's not. <laughs> Hope is not a plan, as, as they say. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Hope is not a plan, definitely. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about some specifics that you – or specific advice you would have for small businesses as we get a little further into the interview. Um, but I just wonder for you personally, even when you're transitioning, you transitioned kind of from a, the – front end of music to kind of the back end of the music with marketing and and producing and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then now into marketing and in any sort of industry. Um, Have you had any sort of a business coach or mentor 
um, that really taught you some valuable lessons? No, you know, not not directly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I think I would have benefited from one for sure. Uh huh. Um, I had a a about a year with a kind of a life coach. I guess she was, okay. she was a business oriented life coach. Let's say. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I, maybe I should answer yes to that question, um, <laughs> uh, but not not a a real hardcore business person. Okay. Um, and however, I I studied a lot, and not yeah. not just in my my uh, school program, but I I like to read on this subject. Mm-hmm. I try and learn everything I possibly can about the subject. So you know, in that respect, funny. I've had many good teachers. Right, and I was going to say you you find that many of the business owners I find that many of the business owners I talk to are what I would consider the lifelong learners, right. and in some ways a small business lends itself to that because the owner generally is responsible for everything. So if they don't know how to market, they have to teach themselves how to market. If they don't know how to do accounting, they have to teach themselves how to do accounting. If they don't know how to do human resources, it's the same thing. It's just a different facet of their business. And so um, that kind of lifelong learning mentality seems to go very well hand-in-hand with entrepreneurs that I've I've talked to. So I think you're very, very much in line there. Mm -hmm. Now, as you've kind of gone through your career, I mean, we don't certainly don't want to glorify any failures or any any missteps or anything that you might have had. But we also know that there's value in learning from things that um, could be perceived as failures or lessons. Mm-hmm. And so do you have any failures along the way that you could share that maybe another business owner could actually learn from and not have to repeat what you did? Um, well, how long is this interview? Yeah. <laughs> Um, have, you, yeah. have you had more of the failures yeah. than successes? Um, That's the mark of a good entrepreneur. Well, I had uh, – there, there was one thing I, I did wrong at one point when I was still in the, in the music business, and that was having too many things going at once. Um, okay. I had really three businesses, um, and I was a director of a nonprofit organization, and I was still trying to, to play some music. and. So certainly that was was a, a catastrophe because um, mm-hmm. nothing got done well. Um, but I I lost a business uh, in in the recession. I had a bankruptcy. I closed my doors. I uh, put my tail between my legs and moved to the woods for a while and just kind of kind of licked my wounds. Um, uh-huh. But. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't trade it for anything in the world at this point, because I, I the, it was a it was a very difficult experience. No question, it was difficult on me and my my wife and my family and okay. you know people that worked for me. Um, but it was it was a hugely important learning experience, and it was yeah. it was 2008 and it was in New York and when everything was coming apart. And and it it hit us too, and we just lost about forty percent of our business in the space of about wow. six months. Um, wow! So, Deep dive. Yeah, I mean, I just there's so much I learned from that. Incredible. How do you come back? How do you come back from something like that? Slowly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, slowly and with with a lot of faith and and some good friends and some good support around me, my wife for sure. Mm-hmm. Um but slowly and, and you're you're a little more cautious for sure. 
Uh-huh. Taking those lessons and being a little more cont- contemplative whenever you yep. make decisions. Yep. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I mean, one of so, the big issues with that, and it, it happened to a lot of people in, in 2008. Sure. So, um, I don't think I, I could have saved the business. But part of the problem was that a lot of our customers were concentrated in one area. Uh, and when they lost their jobs, we lost our customers. Wow. So, yeah, and that's a that's a huge lesson. Yeah. Um, to be maybe not quite so concentrated in one industry or sector or however you want to call it, but um, it, a, you're right though. In in the years that we've just come through, there have been so many people that have been devastatingly affected by it, and. It is interesting to me to see how many people have completely reinvented themselves or retooled everything they thought they knew about business Mm -hmm. and come back and are actually better than they ever were to begin with. You know, that would be me. Yeah, and that's blow my own horn, but right, it it was you know that that was the process. But I think that's you know that really is that's what separates an entrepreneur from everybody else in the world that you get beat up and you get taken under and you, you know, have those complete fall on your face failures. And yet you, it's still such a compelling proposition for your life that you would go back and do it all over again. Even if you knew 10 years down the road that you might be in the same situation again. Also, you know, being a service business and, and trying to help other businesses I, I think that that experience is, is invaluable uh, because, I, you know, I, I could look a business owner straight in the eye and say, don't do that or do mm-hmm. do this or, you know, here's what happened to me and be really oh, yeah. giving them something that, that I think is very valuable. Absolutely. Now, Michael, before we get too far on, I had talked in the beginning about your marketing agency right now being focused on like holistic marketing right. strategies. Can you kind of expound on that and tell us how that would differ from other types of marketing? Sure. It, it's a similar principle to holistic medicine in, in that you're trying to treat the whole body. You, mm-hmm. you uh, don't just treat a symptom or, or a condition. You look at the entire environment. Um, so with, with business, you have to consider the business in the environment that it operates in. And that mm-hmm. means not just the geographic and economic environment, but the, the well, the marketing environment, for, for example, uh, are, are people buying this type of product online or do they go into mm-hmm. stores to get it? Um, also, what you have to take into account what customers are thinking and Customers want different things these days. They they want to be part of the equation. They don't want to be sold to. They want convenience. They want to feel somewhat of a rela- relationship with the business. Um, there's a whole different set of of customer expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you have to try and be a little more socially conscious than you used to have to be. Mm, um, I think yeah. that's become important to people. Sure. To the point well, where some companies, you know, greenwash what they do and, you know, everything they do right. is environmentally friendly. And mm-hmm. that's not always true. But Just because just they purchase the carbon offset, right? right? right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting though. Whenever you talk about um, with uh, with the you know ho- the whole holistic marketing and um, what what businesses are doing, it's just it's not necessarily common sense, you know, to to do what you're doing. And I think the point you made earlier of business owners having to look at their eyes, uh, their their business through their customers' eyes. And right now, even though we're in the internet age where we're, you know, the digital and everything, and you can almost go a whole day without having a live conversation with somebody, I think your point of people wanting that connectedness with a business, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like we got away from that when everything went to big box stores and everything went to mass, uh, huge online retailers and, you know, very impersonal service and we kind of got away from that several years ago, but I feel like the pendulum is swinging back toward that relationship and connectedness with local businesses, which is, I think, going to ultimately give them an advantage. Yeah. It's not going to give them an advantage competing with price or volume with those big houses, but with the, the connecting with the customers, no big national corporation is going to be able to do that right. in a way that a local business in a community would. Right. So I think that's a, a fantastic uh, kind of slant on the marketing that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if a small business came to you um, for marketing needs, can you kind of talk a little to us about your strategy for sort of assessing where they are and what the what the first recourse and kind of how you would set up a marketing plan for them or uh, guide them through that marketing plan? Sure. Um, using the the holistic approach, which which can, you could distill it as being just another form of, of critical thinking where you mm-hmm. keep asking questions, you know, wh- okay. why do you think that? Why do you think your customer will buy this, you know? Why are they going to buy it twice? Why are they going to tell their friends about it? You just okay. keep asking these questions. So the the first thing to do is really have a good look at the existing customers, assuming it's an existing business, uh, and see why they they believe in, in this particular company. And one of the first things I will almost always recommend is some sort of survey of your existing customers. Um and that's to get not only just opinions, but customer language, uh, the words that the customers use to describe the business, which often a business owner will not use those same words. Okay. Um, Once you do that and you get the, it's often referred to as the voice of the customer, Mm -hmm. then I would typically start to develop a value proposition, uh, which is, it's basically a six-step process of of kind of finding a way that you're going to describe what you do, um, mm-hmm. which you think would be evident, but but it's not. <laughs> Often business owners don't even know how to describe what they do, and and. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
uh, from there, then you start planning out campaigns. And mm-hmm. I, I really cringe when, when someone wants to hire me for a one of the, the one-off projects that we described before. Um, okay. Oh, we just want to do a postcard mailing. Can we hire you to do this for us? Um, mm-hmm. Well, yes, you can, but I'm not promising anything from it. So yeah. I really like to see, you know, a six-month to a year uh, commitment from from a client because then I can really get some results. Now, that's not to say, you know, I, I've certainly done short projects like, like, like surveys, for example, mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. okay, you could just do a survey and get a lot of good information. You know, great, then at least you know your customers a little bit better. Right. Or someone might need some, some research done or, you know, someone might simply need a design or a website. Um, if, that's, if that's all they need, then, then I'm, I'm happy to help. But mm-hmm. if someone really wants to improve their marketing and grow their business, it's, it's a commitment. It's, it's a, a time commitment. And it takes you, a while. you know, I kind of compare it to um, if, if you know you need to get in shape or live a healthier lifestyle and you decide to go to a trainer for help. Mm-hmm. Now, there is no trainer that's going to say, if you're only going to work out with me one time, I don't even want to work out with you. Right. But they know that while that one workout is 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 never going to hurt you, at the same time, long term, you're probably not going to get a lot of benefit if that's the only thing that you do. And it's the same type of thing where, you know, you can help, you can do what you can do with one one shot, but it's not going to be the same bang for your buck you would get if you did a more long term and probably a more multifaceted approach to handling the marketing Absolutely. needs. So. Now, what strategies are you seeing work best for small business marketing right now? I'm sure there's trends that you've identified. Um, I would say, well, I'd like to address the the social media world sure. with, with yeah. this question. I think Absolutely. the trend that is working is not to go too far into it, to, to choose your platforms wisely, um, use them consistently, but not go crazy with it. So okay. I, I, I've been recommending that companies use social media for about 25% of their marketing resources or their marketing mm-hmm. dollars. So mm-hmm. What that typically boils down to is, is you're doing your website, you, you pick a few platforms, whatever suits your customers, whether it's mm-hmm. LinkedIn or Facebook, um, usually Twitter is involved. Uh, if you're a very visual company, you might want to do something on, on Pinterest. Um, if, if you're an instructional-oriented company, you might want to put out YouTube videos. Right. Yeah. Definitely no more than three to five platforms mm-hmm. and, and use them really well and put them into a, a framework where they're only taking up about 25 30% of your, your marketing time and, and energy. Um, and with that, then you have 75% left for networking, for sales calls, for events, uh, trade shows, postcard mailings, what have you. If you put all these things together, uh, again, it's you know, my holistic philosophy, but if you, if you put all these things together, they, they start to work. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's the strategy that I'm seeing make the most sense right now. 
Right. Yeah, I think I've I think we've all seen the um the businesses that, you know, it's like they try to get on every piece of social media right. and they have a Facebook page and it hasn't been updated since 2013 and they have a Twitter account that there's not been used since 2012 and you know, it just because you're you're on that platform or you have a handle or you have a, you know, a presence on that platform that doesn't that doesn't mean it's social media. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, just you're there. You're you're as much of a lurker as anyone else. So it it is it is a, such a hard thing for I think small businesses to decide what channels suit their customer base or their their business and their products. And then f- there's a there's a lot of education that goes into really figuring out those individual platforms because they're all so different. I mean, the way you market on Facebook is completely different than the way you would market on Pinterest or Twitter or something like that. And it's just, it's a lot. It's overwhelming for small business owners. I know it's definitely something they can't get their arms around before the next social media thing comes out. You know, (laughs) That's where the surveys come in because if you you have 50 customers and, and you find out that you know, 49 of them are, are on Facebook, well, then right. there's your answer. That's, that's um, where you should But be. if you find out that only five of them are on Facebook, then don't worry about it for the moment. Right. You, know, you, don't, Absolutely. you don't have to do it. Right. That's that's true. And it, it's you want that to be a wise investment of your time as far as the return that you're getting, whether – whether you're looking for customer engagement or new customers or just, you know, awareness and that sort of thing, um, there's nothing worse than having having social media that you're you're desperately trying to make work and you feel like all you're getting back is crickets. Right. You know? <laughs> so, so I think every probably every local business has been through that kind of thing. And with social media, it, it, again, it's not a magic bullet. You have to be very patient with it. You're not mm-hmm. going to see the needle move with social media in anything under six months or so, and, and mm-hmm. even even then, you're lucky if you really start to see a, a revenue that you can directly trace to social mm-hmm. media. You have to you have to be in it for the long haul. There's a, definitely, and, and I think it was part of the hype that we kind of heard through the hype of, of social media that well, okay, you could. It's global, and you can have 500,000 Twitter followers and and all yeah. that. But I think that created a false impression that it that it it's some sort of quick fix, and, and it's definitely not. Right, and you know that I think you know people. Anytime these things come out, we there's a certain amount of. Uh, you know, black hat marketing that goes into uh, you know buying Twitter followers and right. and these these inflated numbers that are nothing more than you you bought them on Fiverr or something like that and so um what you end up having is all these followers or all these fans supposedly but then when you launch a product or you put something out no one's buying because they're not your target anyway right. you know yeah. and so that's even more frustrating to think i have i have the ear of all these people but actually you don't right. you know and i think even the way the way Facebook has changed over the course of probably, you know, the last several years, you know, if, if a business owner got on Facebook in, you know, five five years ago or something like that, and they put a post out, 
you know, likely all of their followers could see it. Mm -hmm. And now whenever you've got these algorithms where you only get your posts seen by the people that you're most engaged with and most people aren't seeing your post, you know, it's really critical to understand what what you need to do to drive that engagement so you can get more, um, you know, views and that sort of thing. And that's it's the way these platforms constantly change. A business owner can never learn it and then never look at it again because it will change in six months and something will, you know, so it's a constant, uh, it's like a constant education. You have to keep giving yourself because if you think you got it, it just changed. So now you got to go back and relearn it. So, so Michael, now, as far as um, customers uh, for yourself and for even for other small businesses, um, what do you do to get like repeat customers? What's the best thing that you can do um, for customer retention? Uh, exceptional customer service. Um, ah. it, it's it's the same as it always was. You know that that rule hasn't changed. Um, it's well, maybe parts of it have changed. People don't care as much about about price. Um, surprisingly. Uh, I'll, I'll gladly pay extra if I get really good customer service. If, if mm. I, I know someone went the extra yard for, for me and, mm-hmm. and made an effort to remember my name and, and you know make the follow-up phone call or, or whatever it is, whatever it mm-hmm. takes, just those little little extra bits I think really work for, for customer retention. It's it's not a, you know it's not any new thing really right but it, it's it, something that we might have forgotten about a little bit. Well, and and I hate to say it, but nationally we have seen such low standards for yeah. what what really customer service is, and you know uh, you know it used to be well the customer's always right, and then there's like well the customer can't always be right, but then but the customer doesn't really need to be treated like the scum of the earth either right. <laughs> so i think we've gotten you know we've gotten used to the way we get treated and um that has become the new measure of customer service yeah. and it's at the same time what a great opportunity for local businesses to make that customer service their part of their value proposition okay. you know and that's you know they they lose every time if you try to compete with the big box stores on price mm-hmm. You know, it's just never going to happen. But, boy, you can beat them all day long on customer service. And I think I heard somebody one time say, you know, we were talking about different niches. And, and they they essentially said it really doesn't matter what what the market's what, – what's going on out there. It doesn't matter how much competition there is. All you have to do is find something that you love to do and you know you can do, but do it better than anybody else in your market and provide better customer service and you automatically get this customer base that really no one can pry away from you because you've got them locked in. So I think that that customer service is definitely something where a lot of places miss the boat and small businesses tend to have an advantage in that area, I think. so. Now, as far as your business, um, what what type of things do you do to get customers? I know we were talking a little bit earlier, and uh, you recently signed on some new clients and that sort of thing. Where do you where do you get your clients from? Um, I think uh, 
public appearances are, are, are great for, for my type of business. Okay. Uh, doing uh, conferences, uh, speaking, being on a panel. Um, tomorrow I'm speaking at the Rotary Club. The week after, uh, I'm speaking for the SBA at the oh, local gosh. library. The week after that, yeah. I'm doing a networking event. Uh-huh. Um, so if you're in a service business and you mm-hmm. have to uh, impress people based on the quality of your personality and your your uh, ability to communicate and to build a relationship, then you got to get in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I certainly supplement that with a, a pretty strong uh, social media presence. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm putting out information almost every day, but you know certainly every week and mm-hmm. monthly newsletter, a couple of different monthly newsletters that are basically segmented on by different uh, target markets, mm-hmm. um, and and always. I think for me, I guess it does come back down to customer service, but I'm always willing to go a little further and, and give a little bit more before I I get anything back. So mm-hmm. people get a lot of a lot of free advice from me, and they get nice, you know, long consultations. And mm-hmm. um, I always say, look, even if we don't work together. Just ask, you know, if you have a question about marketing, shoot me an email sure. or whatever. So I think over time that that works very well for me. It kind of goes back to the whole almost like relationship marketing, it so is, to speak, sure. where you're you're building those relationships and meeting them. And, and you go to an event and you speak at it or you are at a networking event or something like that, and you really – don't know, but that it might be a year or even further down the road before you see anything right. from some of those relationships that you you planted the seed. Right. So that's definitely the important thing. Now, for your business, um, as far as the success of it and that sort of thing, what type of performance metrics do you measure, and why do you feel like they're important for your business? I do look at well uh, on a just hard metric type of type of uh, measurement. I do look at uh, website traffic quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I look at growth in in uh, Twitter followers and, and what have mm-hmm. and uh, I try to see if that's causing my my needle to move at all. Um, okay. But I'm also looking at at uh, recommendations a lot. Because if I do, I wouldn't necessarily call it a metric. It's more of an indicator, let's say, mm-hmm. that, that I am doing my business well. Uh, if I get calls because someone told a friend to, to call me up and I, I could help them. So I'm, I'm looking for that to happen. Um, and just, you know, good old-fashioned cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> <Make sure you laughs> yeah. End of the day, yeah. that is absolutely critical. Um, let me ask you this: for marketing campaigns that you do for your customers, what type of metrics are you looking for from those campaigns in order to know whether they were successful or not? Uh, mostly, that's about new customers. Um, okay. Because most most of my clients will be okay with their current customers, and and if mm-hmm. they need any help on that I could give it to them pretty quickly um, mm-hmm. 
and like we said, it's all about just go the extra nine yards for, for customer service, and mm-hmm. your current customers will, will be your long-term customers. But uh, new customer growth is always important. And, and okay. you know, again, sometimes that comes by way of, of web traffic. Um, but you, all, you typically have to look a little further down the road. So if you're getting a, a uh, steady 10% growth per month in web traffic, that's not going to correspond to 10% growth in, in revenue. Uh-huh. Um, but you will start to see that revenue increase six months after you see the first increase in web traffic. So, mm-hmm. for example, if, if I start a campaign with a, with a, a new client, mm-hmm. and after six months uh, we've grown their web traffic steadily 10% every month, the the new business that they're going to start seeing, you could attribute to, to the first month of, of the campaign. Oh, okay. So it, it takes see. a good six months to start realizing any, any benefit from the online type of, of measurement. It's, it's definitely I not see. immediate. There's, there's some good lag time. But, you know, certainly you want to see new customers is, is the main thing. And that's what most businesses come to you for rather than getting repeat customers. So they mostly come to try to get more uh, buzz out, get more public awareness, and get more yeah. customers. In, new in, first the, time. In, in both small business and mm-hmm. nonprofits, I would say, okay. yes. Um, okay. Larger companies will typically hire me for specific areas, mm-hmm. uh, okay. like um, – I, I did a contract for H&R Block, and, and, and that was a regional campaign, and they wanted outreach to the Latino market. You know, there's very specific things I see, that they were gotcha. trying to do. Um, in a huge company like that, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy who, who they're calling to uh, raise their their annual gross revenue by $10 billion. It, right. you know, I'm more of a, a small business-oriented person anyway. Right. Um, but okay. I do work for some some big companies occasionally, but it's in a a uh, a certain business unit or within a certain geographic region. I see. Now let me ask you this, just as a kind of a marketing professional, just your personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about? the daily deal sites for small business owners, um, the Groupons, the Living Social. Even now we have Amazon Local. Mm-hmm. Many of these um, daily deals, are, are, the whole purpose is to bring in new customers to a business. And I was just kind of wanting to know what your thought about that is or what your overall impression of whether it would be a good idea or not for a small business to take part in that. Um. I think it's a little more appropriate to to a, a business, a product business, as opposed to a service business, for one thing. Okay. Um, and I think most of of these initiatives raise awareness about a business rather than result in in a specific sale because mm-hmm. of that deal. Okay. Uh, I think it, it it makes people realize, oh, this business exists, or or mm-hmm. oh, I can buy that from from those folks mm-hmm. or, or those folks have that service I didn't know about that uh, and then you kind of file it away and, and you, you've had one extra impression about that business 
Right. So in that regard, right. I think it's good. Uh, again, for any business to think that it's going to, you know, really move the needle too much, um, I don't think that's true. Okay. Unless it's a, you know, if it's a big commodity type item, and and you really have incredible reach, and it's you know a mm-hmm. five dollar item, and you could get it for three dollars, then then maybe, but. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that applies to a whole lot of businesses. So let me ask you one other thing. Just you mentioned, you know, awareness. Do you tend to be one that says awareness campaigns are kind of a waste of time for small businesses? No, no. I okay, do. okay. That's an interesting perspective because a lot of times that's that's what you hear is that mm-hmm. they're they're a waste of time, they're a waste of of resources. So tell us why you think they aren't. I think the the idea of the sales funnel still exists, that you, okay. know, you have uh, awareness, uh, consideration, trial, evaluation, adoption, advocacy. Um, customers move through this funnel mm-hmm. uh, to the point where they become your long-term customers. So there has to be awareness, especially in the case of, the, of, of a new business. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to let people know that you exist. So you, you can't possibly think that that's not important. Um, how much money you should spend on it, that's that's a, an important question. Uh, you shouldn't blow your entire year's marketing budget on the, the awareness phase. I got gotcha. you. Because people still have to move through that sales funnel. So you okay. have to be addressing every stage of the sales funnel. It's, it's I still, I, you know, the, the old rules of marketing still apply. We just have some new, some new tools. Right. Um, social media can really help with with the awareness part. Let's say you're you're brand new and you have to raise awareness about your existence. That's a good time to start a, a Twitter account and you know mm-hmm. start following people and get follows back. Don't try and yeah. tell them anything. Just right. just let them know that you exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you address all those well, the five or six, you know, you, sometimes you see different uh, amounts of stages in the sales funnel, but usually there's, there's six stages. You still have to address each of those. So mm. you have to do awareness campaigns. Interesting. Now, you mentioned Twitter, and I know that you're very active on Twitter and um a lot of the information or, or a lot of what you're using Twitter for seems to almost be educational. Yes. Um, is that is that one of your recommendations or one of your uh, top tools or tactics for using social media is as kind of an education platform? Mm-hmm. It is. I, I don't think you should use it as a sales platform per se. Okay. Um, using the example of Twitter, uh, I find out about other companies who might be interested in, in what I do or what one of my clients does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I connect with them. I let them know what I'm doing. I point them to resources they might use. Uh, if there's a good article, even if it's from a, a competing marketing consultant, I'll, I'll let sure. them know about it. So, yeah, it, it's it's largely about uh, informing the, the market and, mm-hmm. and building a more educated market. Um, you know, while I'm doing that, I will certainly 
also send out announcements if I you know have my my book for sale or if I'm doing right. a, a seminar somewhere. Um, but that's that's not really the point. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't don't look at that as the point of, of social media. Mm-hmm. And and, I would, and that's probably a small percentage of the post out there very, that you're but doing for me, too. Very small. Yep, yeah, I would say maybe ten percent. Okay, is, is gotcha. Any kind of transactional sales oriented thing. So, in the day to day running of your business, do you have like a favorite tool that you like to use? Um, it's not exactly day to day, but uh, mm-hmm. email newsletters I think are, are still ah, great. I, I, okay. And, and I, I find that across the board, marketing executives are still putting a lot of time and money in, into email newsletters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do like to make sure I have good newsletters going out. Um, I do use Google Alerts for getting oh. my own information. Okay. If I'm keeping up on a particular industry for a client or mm-hmm. just a topic that I, I want to become a little more educated about, I, I will set up alerts in this way I get a little little bit of information every day. Sure. Sure. I love Google Alerts. It it just it you know you you would miss so much of what gets brought to you through that channel if you didn't have the alert set up because there's just no way you could be that well read or that right, well right. informed without that. So that is a and definitely a it's great. It's great tool. when you're trying to learn you know a new business. When when I take on a client sure. in in a business that I have no experience in, um, I have to get up to speed pretty quick. Right. So, for example, about six months ago, I, I, uh, I started working with a large format printer. Um, mm. I had no, no experience in that business before. So my Google Alerts every day for uh, a couple of months were you know, large format printing, banners, digital printing. Right. Um, I, I got all my information until I was able to, to speak the language. Absolutely, and it definitely makes a difference. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like research uh, filtered and hand-delivered to you, exactly. and you don't have to really go looking for it. So. Yeah. Now, Michael, one of the things we do with this podcast is um, because I'm talking to local small business owners, and um, there might be people that are listening that are hoping to join the ranks of the local small business owners, but they're mm-hmm. looking for their niche or they're looking for the opportunity and trying to assess what the best thing is. So I like to ask my small business owners if they've identified any holes in the market in their area. In other words, are there products or services that you would love to be able to source from a local provider, but you simply cannot find them? Hmm. Um I think just as a general rule, uh, the the professional services are more in demand these days. Uh, I don't know that anyone wants to hear this, but mm-hmm. we, we need painters and, and plumbers and uh, mm-hmm. folks like that. And those are real good businesses to go into right now mm-hmm. in, in most mm-hmm. areas. Um, if you want to be more on the the tech side, or the contemporary or the digital side, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. Mm-hmm. I think if you're if you're in some sort of aggregating kind of capacity and information aggregating mm-hmm. uh, website is is a good model these days. Um, and then, I mean, just as a wider observation, 
um, manufacturing. Ah, yeah. yeah. There, there seems to be, um, you know, the the push nationwide seems to be, you know, first it was by American or made in USA, and you know, you get so many things that even though the label says made in USA, it was it was sourced from everywhere else right. and just assembled in the USA or put together. And so I think now I'm hearing many local businesses that have a, you know, a retail type presence say they wish they could find more local products because mm-hmm. um, they would sell them if they could find them. Right. And that would be their preference. Um, but it does, I think, seem like a greater barrier to entry of, uh, you know, if you were going to try to develop a physical product or, you know, develop a manufacturing process for a product that you were going to make, it's a higher barrier to entry than someone that was just going to go out and provide a service um, and do that. And so I think it's much more intimidating, but I really feel like there's got to be some people with that expertise that can, um, you know, form a few different hubs of making things locally and making things in the United States that would hopefully free us from our, you know, our foreign addictions of, you know, getting all of our products from overseas because it really is, um, it's inhibiting if you, if you had to live a life where you could only buy made in USA products, much less even made locally products, you would live a very different life than you do right now. Yeah. You know, your your lifestyle would completely change. Yeah. So, um, good thoughts. And even on the the local the professional services that you were talking about, you know, that's an area that is there's such a need for, but at the same time, there is such a need for people to do it well as far as the customer service end of that because those are businesses that um have kind of suffered in the um in as far as reputation wise right. and and that sort of thing. So I think if somebody came in and really had integrity and really focused on providing excellent customer service in any of those industries, it would be a hit in any community. Sure. So I mm-hmm. definitely echo that. Mm-hmm. Now, as a uh Kind of a parting thought here. Can you give us a piece of advice or a piece of wisdom that you might have gained over the years that you think, you know, if I had only known this when I started, it, it would have been a lot different for me? Do you have one of those? Um, yeah, I would say the voice of the customer is, is a kind of pet peeve of mine or, or something okay. that I wish I had understood better. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's get out of your your own head um, and try and frame your business from the customer's perspective and in the customer's language because mm-hmm. you might think that what you do is great and it may well be great but you're never going to sell it unless the customer thinks it's great too right so absolutely. You're absolutely you could be the right. best in the world at something if you don't know how to make it meaningful to a customer it's going to go it's going to be lost and that, and that's a shame yeah, definitely. Well, Michael, I appreciate all the information you've given us today. You've given us, um, you know, just really almost like a a free consultation for anybody that wants to listen to it, you know, sure. to help with their small business. Okay. But I also wanted to give you the opportunity to promote anything um, with your business that you might want to to our listeners. Okay. Uh, well, a couple of things. Um, sure. If you're in the music business, I do have a, a book uh, called The New Rules of Music Marketing, 
Uh, okay. It's an ebook, and it's available on uh, Kindle and Barnes and Noble and iTunes and all the usual spots. So okay. The new rules of music marketing. And if okay. you're in the New Jersey area, I will be speaking next week, April 27th. Yeah, that's Thursday. Um, at the East Brunswick Public Library. Mm-hmm. Okay. April 8th at the Johnson Education Center. That's a networking event. Okay. And I will be speaking again in May, but I can't remember the date. So. Okay. Well, we can Take probably find out on your website, yeah. I would imagine. Yes, it will be up shortly. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, what I'm going to do, Michael, is I'm going to link up to all those things in your ebook and that sort of thing that you have um, and link up to all the places people can find you online so that they can get in touch with you if they need to. But we can find you online on your website. Can you tell us what your website yes. is? PrincetonCreative.com. PrincetonCreative.com. And then you're also on Twitter under? Uh, Twitter is Michael Barry PCM. Okay. And then um, Facebook? Facebook is, is Princeton Creative. Princeton Creative. Perfect. And those are the main places we yeah. can find you online. Is that right? Perfect. Well, I'm going to link up to those so our you know listeners can always find you and go right from our website to yours and, right. and get hooked up with everything and put all your um, good tips to use, hopefully, with their businesses as well. But, Michael, you have given us just um, a wealth of your knowledge and your experience tonight, and I know that people are going to be able to you know, listen to this interview and then go out and do some specific things, whether it's changing their social media strategy or, you know, even actually rethinking their marketing strategy and thinking I need to get a strategy because I'm just hit and miss right yeah, now. Yeah. So I think you've given us a lot of guidance that I know is going to be so useful. And I just appreciate your time. It's been an absolute pleasure well, talking yeah. to you Likewise. and kind of getting inside and picking your brain a little Likewise. bit. So I, I love doing this kind of thing. It's a, it's a privilege and I, I love to give people good information. Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick-and-mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.